Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. Liz Salmon, a.k.a. Rousey, has quite a reputation. The former sergeant was known for never taking a backward step in whatever she was tasked with at Victoria Police. In her nearly 28 years, Liz worked in community policing, highway patrol, traffic operations, general duties, in the watch house and also the children's court. Hi Liz and welcome to the Crime Couch. Hello Rochelle. Your family background was in the British Army and the Royal Air Force. So why did you become a police woman? I wanted to have a career. I wasn't suitable to join the Royal Australian Navy, which was would have rounded out the family history. And I wanted to join the Naval Reserve. I found out that I couldn't join the Naval Reserve because I hadn't served full time. So I found out about the CMF, the Citizens Military Forces, which is now called the Army Reserve. So I joined them. And it was a try before you buy exercise. I found out too, while I was there, that the girls in the Army Reserve, or my particular part of the Army Reserve, were doing things that the regular Army girls didn't do. So I had to find something else to do. I wanted an adventure. I didn't want to be stuck behind a desk, which is what I ended up being. I needed something that paid me well because I didn't anticipate getting married very soon. And I wanted something that would challenge me. Have you always been adventurous, Lizzie? Not as adventurous as some ladies, uh, particularly in this day and age, but at the time I was considered a bit of a tomboy. You initially worked in the Women's Police Division. It's hard to believe now that women were a separate entity in those days in the job. Now, how difficult was it to be a female policewoman in the 1970s? We had some very good leaders, particularly amongst the sergeants who showed us what was required of us to be good police women. It didn't suit me completely because some of it was a bit close to home because I had grown up in a, in a, amongst a lot of different sorts of people and poverty was one of my pet hates. So people who, who suffered because of their poverty was something that bothered me and I wasn't very good at dealing with it. And dealing with children particularly who had suffered not through any fault of their own, was difficult for me to, to deal with. And I knew in those days that if I had stayed in the Women Police Division, I would have ended up in the back-to-front suit. You tended to gravitate, Lizzie, to traffic operations and community policing. Now, why was that? Traffic was, was what I considered clean. It didn't deal with emotion like you did with your dealing with children with, with rape victims, with little old ladies who'd lost their memories and things like that. So I went to traffic and patrol, was standing on the street corner, acting as an educated windmill, as some of us were called, uh, blowing a whistle, guiding people across the road, or telling them not to go across the road, which was more common, um, and pe- telling people where things were. One of the funny things that used to happen was young kids used to walk up and say, Excuse me, lady, can you tell me where the... 
what time it is. And if you walk along Swanson Street and among other places, there's always a, a clock that you can see. And I would simply walk around the corner or stand in the corner and point to the clock and say, it is, and whatever the time was. Those kids never came back and spoke to me again. Because <laughs> I didn't always have a watch. So that was, that was just part of what I did in those days. It sounded like you were quite a character in the sense that you were very good at uh, instructing people what to do. Would you agree with that? Yes, because part of my training in the Army Reserve had been as an instructor and, and there were certain specifics that you followed, certain protocols that you followed and tell, telling people um, how to get to somewhere, you followed a logical sequence and telling people off was also in that line of thinking. Did you ever experience any discrimination in the job, Lizzie? Yes. In a word, very definitely yes. Discrimination wasn't always just from the men. There was some, some female discrimination, but mostly from the men. And it was because, I think it was because I didn't suffer fools. I was reasonably intelligent. I knew my stuff. I made sure I knew my stuff. And some men just didn't want to have women in the police force. It was it was just the way it was, and they made you feel very, very uncomfortable. So I didn't always work twice with the same blokes. That was the easiest way around that. I'd just say to the sergeant, can I not speak with, can I not work with that person again? And some of them were very nasty about the way they, they treated you, because in those days when I first joined the job, of course, we didn't have trousers. And they had no consideration if you got in the car in the middle of winter and you said, oh, can we turn the heater on? Because the driver controlled the heater and they were wearing trousers. They didn't care. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, says the boys. And you'd be sitting there freezing your bits and pieces off, especially around the legs. How did you deal with discrimination in the job? It varied from time to time depending on the situation. So everyone was, each situation had to be, uh, dealt with according to what we were dealing with. So if it was some bloke just being a bit nasty about, I'm, I'm fine because it's freezing cold and you, you're cold, so bad luck for you, you just put up with that because there was nothing you could do. You're in a, you're in a metal box driving along the highway. Um, you're not going to jump out and say, well, I'm going to go home and, and, and put my twitties up in front of the fire. You wear it. When it came to the, the fight for trousers, I pulled out all stops. I appeared before a union meeting, showed them what, what the problem was. I had 600 members in the union meeting saying, we're with you, let's put trousers on the girls because it was practical, this is the early 80s. Um, I wrote reports, I got my report, I wrote wrote the report, I got it copied, I handed it out to all the policewomen, I did a bit of lobbying, said, look, if you like this, you can you can use it to make up your own report. Well, most of them just copied it and signed it and sent it off. Um, I actually designed and made trousers, skirt and a jacket um, and was complimented by the, by the civilian attached to uniform branch who said, where did you do your course? I said, I haven't done a course, I'm a home dressmaker. And he, he nearly fell off his chair. Um, 
So you were responsible for ensuring that women officers in the job wore trousers? I was one of a few, yes. A few who actually fought for that, that not so much right that or privilege, it was common sense attitude. And we, we were up against the Chief Commissioner. And he, in his, well, he or, or whoever was guiding him, actually called us before Faye Miles, who was then the Equal Opportunity Office, uh, Commissioner, appointed by the government. And she sat and she had a lot of policewomen sitting in front of her talking about why they should we should be wearing trousers. And they she had, it was a very balanced group, some who were very, very traditional sort of policewomen, senior to me, I was a senior constable, they said certain things and I said certain things and Miss Miles came out in favour of women should be wearing trousers because they're doing the same job as men. And we were doing the same job as women. We, were, we had the same powers, of we had the same authority within the law. Um, we were being paid the same. We were expected to do the same job, but we weren't equipped the same. Because with a skirt, you don't carry a baton, you don't carry a, a, a firearm. And you look at the girls today and they've got exactly the same gear as the men. And not that I ever anticipated carrying capsicum spray or, or something to put a, a needle in or taser or any of that sort of stuff. But when we were in, in the TOG, we were entitled to carry a, a pistol. So we had to actually put belt loops on our skirts to put a belt on, which we hadn't been issued with, so that we could put a holster on, so we could put a, a pistol in the holster on our skirts. We were the only policewomen, in Victoria anyway, who carried firearms as a matter of course, but we had to make our own belt loops for the skirt. <laughs> it's interesting, Lizzie, because I interviewed, as I mentioned before, Giovanna Campana, and she... It was a big deal because she was working night shift Ballarat and basically freezing and she was given permission by her boss to wear men's trousers while she was doing night shift. So it just shows you that there was a real need for women to wear the uniform that the men did. I also wore a man's overcoat, which was double-breasted and made of proper wool rather than the gabardine that the policewoman wore. And I also wore the, gab the, the lightweight gabardine jacket that the TOG wore at the time um, with, a, with a jumper underneath in, in the cooler weather because it was more practical than wearing a tunic all the time. Do you think nowadays, Liz, you'd have the same issues? Issues today are a lot different. I, I don't have a lot to do with police officers these days, though I do meet them in a semi-professional way. I, I, because of one of the organisations I belong to, we need to talk to police officers occasionally. I don't think the, the misogynism is as strong today as it was then, but I dare say it's still there because that's the, way, that's the nature of human beings. How would you describe you're nearly 28 years, Lizzie, in the job, in Victoria Police. You've left the job for some time. How do you reflect back on your time in the job? My time in the job was at a time when there was a lot of change and a lot of change had to come from sometimes from the bottom rather than the top. And because of society at the time was still very male-dominated, and the police force was extremely male-dominated. When I left, when I graduated at the end of 1972, 
there were 157 policewomen in the force. That's not very many. And they were, sometimes they were in one, one policewoman places where there was, other, there was a lot of men to support them sometimes. Today, policewomen don't exist as separate entities. They are part of the force and they are looked upon, I think, much more even-handedly. I know that my local sergeant is a policewoman. I know that there's a senior sergeant at the division, I would call it the division, um, who is a female. And she, from what I can see, she does a very good job. There are policewomen in, in every aspect of policing today that wasn't even thought of when I left the police force. It's great that girls have this opportunity. And sometimes police women, or, or sorry, I shouldn't say police women. Women have a different way of looking at things that affect the people around them. And a lot of them have a much better eye, better eye for detail and crossing the T's and dotting the I's and making sure that all the little tiny nuances are attended to, whereas men, men can sometimes be a bit broad brush. Each has their, their own, and I just wish that all the policewomen in, in the force today walk away with with a lot of happy memories. Because I had some good memories, a few that I don't want to repeat ever, 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 and sometimes I don't even want to talk about them. But if it hadn't been for the police force, I don't think that I would have ended up living where I'm living. Um, it helped pay the mortgage in my first house. It gave me a reasonable life. It gave me a promotion and it encouraged me to actually go to university, which I had missed out on because I was not a very good student when I was a schoolgirl. What is one of your happiest memories in the job? Probably coming second in my squad. I know that goes back a long time and probably not. I was just so happy one to have passed I had worked very, very hard. I had formed a, a study group. We had all worked very hard together. And I actually was told by the man who is now my husband, who was then the deputy squad leader, that he was very sad to tell me that I hadn't touched the squad. And all I was said to him, I can remember saying to him, did I pass, did I pass? He said, yeah, you came second. And this was all before anybody else knew anything about who'd done, done what. And I said, oh, thank goodness I passed. I was beaten by a kid who had left school the year before and I was 23 and I had done no, no official study since I had left school at 17. So six years without any study and I'm beaten by an 18-year-old kid. I couldn't, I couldn't complain. So I think that that was one of the happiest memories and the other one would have been the day I graduated at university with my mum and dad. You were called outspoken, Liz, and someone who'd never take a backward step. Do you agree with that? Pick your mark. I can remember watching other people have arguments with superiors and realise that those people were not going to win because the superior was simply the superior and what they said went, mostly they were men. Um, I would not step forward at that point. I would work out the tactics, how to beat them. Or well, not to much beat them, but how to get my point across. 
And most of the time, because of the way I, I acted, I got my point across. Lizzie, for any women listening to this interview that were considering joining Victoria Police, what advice would you give them? Don't go straight from school. Go and get work. Go and work and study. But work in an area where you're dealing with people, all sorts of people. People not the people who work in McDonald's. But people who work in McDonald's and places like that deal with all sorts of people. And some of them are not very nice. Having observed what happens in McDonald's over a number of years, there's a, there's a lot of nasties out there and they like to pick on people and sometimes when they have had a little bit too much to drink, they walk in and they have a go at somebody behind a counter because they can. And they think that person has no no way of defending themselves. Be prepared to do the dirty jobs. Something my father taught me. Do the dirty jobs, Lizzie, and then when you have to go as a senior and tell somebody to do a dirty job, you can actually tell them how to do it. And if you can tell them how to do it, they know that you've done it and they've got no, no comeback at you. Be prepared to do anything you can. Study hard and don't be like me. Keep your mouth shut sometimes. Why did you retire, Liz? Was it just time for you? Part of it was time and part of it was because they were going to be put me back on the street. I'd been married for two years. I didn't want to go back on the street. I'd been the roster sergeant at, at the transit police for a while. Uh, I wanted to stay there for another two years, do my 30 years. But I was told I was going to go back on the street. I was going to do a job that was only twilight shift. There's no day shift involved with this particular job. And I thought, I don't need to do this anymore. I've got superannuation. I've got a house got another house we're going to go and live in. Why do you knock your head against the brick wall? You've retired now. Was it difficult to transition from being a, a working police member to being a, uh, a member of the public? Yeah, it definitely was. If I'd stayed on the two years, I would have been able to take my, my police badge with me, which I couldn't do, even though the man who who had to take all my gear off me was the man who beat me on the 15th of December 1972, my squad mate, and becoming just a member of the community was a bit difficult. I joined organisations. I became known as, as somebody who, who you could go and talk to. Um, I listened a lot, but I stayed in the Army Reserve and that gave me another career path, part-time career path. I ended up being um, involved with the Army Cadets the youth of, of Wangaratta, and I was involved with them for 18 years, retired in 2020, um, and for uh, about 15 years of that service, I was the actual officer commanding the unit. And at one stage, I had 60 kids under my command, oh. which could be a handful at times. <laughs> Liz, um... Tell me, what advice would you give to members that are about to retire or thinking of retiring? Make sure you've got a plan. Find out, I mean, some of us move on retirement to a, to a country town. Some of us move 
somewhere else, have a hobby, have an, an interest outside the police force. It is most important to have an interest outside the police force or have a plan to do something and not spend all your money at one time. What's the future, do you think, for women in the job now, Liz? It's theirs to command. It's theirs to do with what they want to do. Um, whether you want to be a sergeant, a senior sergeant, you want to just be a senior constable somewhere running a one-man station and there's one sort of local to here. Um, well, when I say local to here, local, local, local in the country means anything up to an hour away and this, this lady would be 45 minutes away running a one-man station. Uh, not something that I would have, have looked at in the day because women weren't even thought of doing, when I joined the job, we didn't even do general duties. Um, we've had a female chief commissioner. We need sometimes our own women to, to take command and don't be afraid of being the two I see because sometimes being the two I see you can make a difference too. You don't have to be the boss all the time. Being the boss can be a very lonely place. At least as a two I see, you've got somebody you can you can blame it on if you have to. <laughs> Lizzie, tell me, finally, what's the future for you now? I'm now involved with the RSL the, and I'm the ceremonial officer. For, for those of you who know me, You'll know this is right up my alley because I was a frustrated regimental sergeant major when I was in the army and some of this actually came over to my job as in, in the police. Um, I arranged things for Anzac Day, Remembrance Day, Vietnam Veterans Day and whatever else the president decides to give me and he's a retired lieutenant general, equivalent to a DC for those of you who don't understand. And I've just organ organised something that hasn't been done before and I'm hoping it turns out all right in July. And I've got involved with another group of people who understand what serving the nation means. Whether we serve the nation on the streets of, of Victoria or Melbourne or some little country town or we go overseas and fight the good fight over there, it's still a battle. And for all those people who who have to go out and fight that battle every day, my, my thoughts and prayers are with you. Lizzie, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour speaking with you today on The Crime Catch and thank you for your time and all your energy and best of luck with that event in July. Thank you very much and good luck, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Catch.